0: It's Your
1: Life as sponsored by James J.C.
0: Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's your life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow.
2: Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and it's Friday. And you know what we do on Friday. It's time for us to just wind down. Woo! It's Friday night. (laughs) We got to wind down, get ready for this fantastic weekend that we are all about to have. And, you know, it's, it's been a tough week. Great week. I mean, we had a lot of fun. Uh, with a lot of shows, uh, this week, Noah. And I mean, we had some fantastic, guests. fantastic shows. We did indeed. Oh, absolutely. And we got a fantastic show tonight. You know, it's a, uh, another one of those serious shows like we had last night. And we got my good buddy, my friend, you know, <laughs> a wonderful woman, Paula Shaw. And I just can't wait to, uh, get her, uh, on the air and, uh, start talking about, uh, this tough topic because we got a lot of pain. We got a lot of hurt, not just in the United States, but all over the world, especially over in India. Uh, if you've been, anybody been looking at the news a little bit, that's a tough one. And so we have a lot of grief and a lot of loss all over the world and in the United States as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, Noah. You know.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, some of these serious topics are are important. It's you know, it's always nice to have fun, but you know, we have to make sure that we're informed about these things. And we do, and
2: you know, of course I, I have my co host, uh, Michelle Cooley, who's in New York. Uh New York City. She left early this morning and uh she's there. She's settled in and how are you doing, Michelle?
3: I'm doing good, doing good. Just giving myself up to to host this wonderful show with this wonderful guest paula's jaw and for her to give us her insight on you know just handling grief and loss so i'm really excited to to hear her thoughts about it
2: i'm very very excited to hear paula uh paula going to be a regular on the show uh hopefully if she has time uh, to talk about these important topics that uh, we all need to hear about so you know uh couple of things michelle as you know she left me here with bella bella has not been acting right today nor i mean it, uh, she did not eat until maybe about an hour ago i'm talking about from this morning well that's not but, good <laughs> now when her mother is gone uh she don't want to <laughs> be bothered and she finally came into uh on my little studio in here i mean finally i mean <laughs> and sit down like she normally do at night so Michelle, it's your fault.
3: It's not my my dog loves me. She's a mama's little. She's girl. just a
2: little sad.
3: <laughs> I know, I know.
2: But you know, I want to get to this fantastic guest, Michelle. Uh, so, uh, but can you tell our listeners what the purpose of today's show is?
3: Yes, the purpose of today's show is to learn about what grief is from a transitions coach and grief specialist learning about the different stages of grief and loss, learn how grief is a unique experience, and how to be a support system to those who are going through grief and loss.
2: Wow. So can you introduce this fantastic guest to our listening audience?
3: Yes, Paula Shaw. Paula Shaw is a life transitions coach and grief specialist. She's also a best-selling author, keynote speaker, And media host on her own show, Change It Up Radio with Paula Shaw on AM 1170 and FM 96.1, The Answer in San Diego. For more than 25 years, Paula has been dedicated to helping people navigate the stress of change and challenge using mind and body tools and techniques. She has degrees in education and communications from Long Beach State University, as well as graduate counseling credentials in grief and an addictive disorders from Loyola Marymount University. Paula is the author of several books, including Chakras, The Magnificent Seven, Grief, When Will This Pain Ever End, and our latest book, Saying the Right Thing When You Don't Know What to Say. It's Your Life, well, or the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life proudly presents Paula Shaw.
2: Welcome to the show, Paula. You know, Paula, before before you even say anything, Paula is the person that gave me a chance for an opportunity of what I'm doing today. Paula's I mean, an amazing woman. I, right. I was on her show a couple of times, but, but uh, uh, the, the last time I was on her show, uh, she gave me this opportunity and it turned out to blossom uh, 15, almost 16 months later. Thank you, Paula. Welcome to the show
4: you are so welcome James and thank you for having me you know I love doing your show I think I was there on your first show and and certainly I was there when you wowed the people at KCBQ and they offered you a show on the spot
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's just That's that good funny. Paula <laughs> and we miss you here at the <laughs> studio true. as
2: well oh yeah oh yeah uh, hey, hey Paula uh, our listening audience uh, there's, there's so much that uh, we need to talk about uh, but first of all uh can we uh can you tell our listening audience a little bit about where you grew up and your background?
4: Sure. Uh well I was born in New York City, so I have something in common with Michelle for sure. I don't know with I don't think you were born in New York, but I know only spent time there for sure. Um but I left very young and uh I was hmm, how old was I? About three came here, and I really grew up in Orange County, and um, I have two amazing parents who are still living. I'm one of those rare people whose father and mother are her father and mother. I mean, you know I mean? They're still married, and they're in their 90s, and they're fabulous, and I, too, look forward to seeing my mom on Sunday, and I feel very blessed every Mother's Day when I get to be with her and i get to be with my children i have two of them aaron who is now 36 and my son casey is 31. and i you know i just think that all my life i was tuned in to people and i hated to see them hurting or upset and so it was kind of a natural for me i wasn't always a therapist I began in the movie business as a location manager and sometimes doing little background parts. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And mainly it happened that a person said to me, why don't you get into counseling? And I said, why? And she said, It'll help you understand your husband better, (laughs) and I said I'm in. (laughs) I'll do that. And so, really, truly, I feel grateful that that day happened because this is what I came to the planet to do—to to to heal and teach and work with people who are dealing with pain. And strangely enough, I mean, a lot of people think working with grieving people would be really tough or really hard or not much fun. The truth is it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done, you know, because when people are hurting and something you say or you do can ease their pain, that's pretty darn wonderful, and I feel grateful that I get to do that.
2: It, it is so wonderful. But, but before I forget, if you want to call and be part of this conversation, just ask Paula a question or anything. That's one 344 1170 That's one 344 1170 Paula, you, you mentioned grief, and that's uh, what we're talking about today. Grief and pain and all of that. What is grief?
4: Mm, that's such a great question, James, because most people misunderstand what grief is. Grief is actually um, a kind of an umbrella word. It Because grief represents this huge compendium of emotions. And they can range from shock, uh, sadness, depression, anger, confusion, um, discouragement, overwhelm. There are so many faces of grief. And grief is the normal, natural response to loss. So any loss can produce grief. It isn't just death, and many people think it just has to do with death, but that actually isn't true at all. Grief is the normal, natural response to any loss, and it can show up with many different faces.
2: Wow. You know, uh, we're going to take a station break, but uh, we're going to come back and delve deep into our topic today, overcoming grief and loss. Uh, we got a fantastic guest, Paula Shaw. It's your life. I'm James Cooley.
0: There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. And we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community.
5: Available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold.
0: FM 96.1 and AM 1170. The answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's
2: time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and we got the fabulous Paula Shaw, you know, with us today to talk about uh, this uh, topic. Just like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of tough, but we overcoming grief and loss. And, you know, it's a lot of pain involved in that, but you want to be part of the conversation. Call us at one 344 1170 Again, that's one 344 1170
3: Paula, what exactly is loss?
4: Oh, that's a great question, too, Michelle. Um, loss, loss comes hand in hand with change. So here's the weird thing humans have this love-hate relationship with change because we need change for growth and so that we don't get bored to death. But we hate the discomfort of the unfamiliar. So when we suffer a loss, there's always a change that goes hand in hand with it. And so part of our pain is we liked things the way they were. We were used to them the way they were. And especially if it was a wonderful relationship or a job we loved or, you know, we loved our state of health and now we lose that, it's very, very difficult to adjust to this new normal that occurs when a loss
3: happens. Well, Paula, why are the emotions created by loss so intense for people?
4: Uh, I think because as I was saying, you know, we're, we're comfort creatures. You know, we like our comforts. We, even though sometimes we feel bored with sameness, there's a comfort to it. In fact, recently I was working with a teenager who's going through a lot of anxiety about going back to school. And as she said to me, on the one hand, I'm so tired of every day being the same and being here in my room. But the thought of going back to the campus and, and there with all the kids and everything there is to worry about is terrifying. So there is something, even when, if it's boring, it's familiar. And when it's familiar, we just have a higher level of comfort. Wow.
1: Hey, Paula, producer Noah here. Love having you on the yeah. show. You were talking about change just a moment ago. What do you feel mm-hmm. is the exact relationship that most people do have with change?
4: Uh, you know, it, it's kind of what I was just saying, though. We need it. And, and some people, you know, handle it better. <clears throat> <Excuse me. laughs> some people crave change. They crave newness. They crave adventure. But other people, they love a schedule. They love things to be kind of the same. They drive the same path to work. They take the same walk every day. You know, they like sameness. And when change comes, out the door goes sameness. Because, and, and even if you're, if the change is something cool, you know, like maybe you got married and you really wanted to be married to this person. All of a sudden, you've lost the independence you had as a single person. You lost the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it and not worry about anybody else. So change kind of is a double-edged sword, you know. We we need it. We kind of want it. But but we don't like feeling unfamiliar because when things are unfamiliar, we don't feel the same level of competence. And we like feeling competent. We like to be confident. And so we're just more confident when we, we know the ropes, so to speak. Does that make sense, Noah?
1: Yeah, I think that's very simple to understand. And I, I, I think yeah. if people look at it that way, maybe change isn't so scary.
4: Yeah. Exactly. Because you know what? Change is only new for a while. (laughs) And then it becomes the familiar. But it's that adjustment period. And of course, if the change is something that causes you a lot of pain, like losing someone you love or losing a home you loved or a job you loved or a state of your health that you loved, uh, a relationship that you loved then we've got emotional pain on top of the unfamiliar
1: and that's what it can be a little harder i think for most people
4: yeah most definitely most definitely that's the tricky part when emotions are involved well then the whole journey is a lot more wearing
1: well like i can bring up real quickly i know james has got another question but i've been dealing with some health issues for the last i'd probably say five months and after some tests, it's been, you know, I've been given mostly the 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 okay and the all clear, uh, but they're still working at exactly what is going on, and it can get mm-hmm. very tasking. And it's, I was, you know, generally a very healthy person for a very long time, and so that change, plus right. not knowing what is exactly going on, mentally it starts to get wearing after a while.
4: Oh, yeah, because when you don't know what's going on, now you're in the territory of not only the unfamiliar but of fear because, you know, we always fear the unknown because we don't know what lurks out there. And that's kind of as old as mankind. We don't like the unknown. And so, yeah, that's like a, a bit of a torture chamber when going through for an elongated period of time dealing with the unknown like you have been.
1: And that's why surrounding yourself with great people, like with with James, we know a few other people as well, and having them be very uplifting, it helps you through that change, and it makes it so that you can see it through to the other side, even if it does take a while.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Noah, absolutely. And I'm sure... Saying that, you know, is is going to give a lot of listeners hope because, you know, I named my, my second book, Grief, When Will This Pain Ever End? Because so often people feel like I'm stuck in this cycle forever. It's never going to get better. And so it's good to remind them that, yes, it will. But we do need to do work. We do need to, you know, grief doesn't just get better with time. That's an old myth. And it is not true. Sometimes it gets worse with time if you're not doing the right things to help yourself.
1: That's a great answer.
2: It is. Hey, you know, Paul, you you mentioned uh, grief uh, a couple of times. I mean, that's what we're talking about. But you said that grief is a compendence of different emotions. I thought it was sadness Mm -hmm. and tears. (laughs) Uh, Is this the case?
4: (laughs) Most people do think it's just sadness and tears. You know, just like I was saying, it's also a misunderstanding that grief is caused by death. Um, But no, it isn't just sadness and tears. In fact, a lot of times, the major response to grief is anxiety, Because we're dealing with this huge unknown out there. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know what's going to happen. And one of the things I've noticed in working with clients for almost 29 years now is sometimes when an unexpected loss comes along and turns your world upside down, now you develop a fear but you better watch out because you never know what's coming around the corner that could turn your world upside down. And people become very hyper vigilant about their whole lives. And that can complicate the grief and make things even more difficult. But certainly, anger can often be a part of grief. Not always, it doesn't have to be, but it certainly can be. Depression, sadness, absolutely. Shock. Denial, disbelief, confusion, overwhelm, all these things are part of grief.
3: You know, Paula, when um oftentimes when people suffer a loss, their friends are afraid to bring it up and talk to them about it. Uh I know that's yeah. happened in my case. I think in everybody's case, you know, um, you don't know what to say or you know, you don't want to add to their pain. Uh, Why is that? Why is it that we are afraid to bring it up?
4: I think because, Michelle, as a whole, we are an intellectual society rather than a feeling society. We're all more comfortable in our intellect, in our heads, than we are in our hearts. Particularly men in our society, they're not trained to be free to express their feelings. It's certainly getting better now. But, you know, when I was a kid, if a boy fell down and hurt himself, you know, his dad was likely to say something like, okay, dust yourself off and get back in the game. But if a little girl fell down, she'd get cuddled, she'd get softed, she'd be, oh, are you okay? You know, there's just more empathy. And and women are better at expressing their feelings to each other. We talk about stuff like that. You know, men usually get together to watch a game or get together to, to go somewhere. Women get together to talk. And so we tend to explore our feelings more, and so the process is easier and more natural for us. But it's, it's a society where everybody, men and women, are just more comfortable talking about the latest trend on social media, the latest fashion trend, a great movie they saw, last night's game, all more comfortable than, how are you doing with your loss? I heard that your mom died. How are you doing? People are not very good at doing that. And partly, it's, as you said, they don't, They don't know if they should bring it up because the person may seem like they're okay. But the truth is, you know, if you've suffered a serious loss, you're not okay. But people worry, well, if I bring it up, I'll make her sad. She's already sad, trust me. But if you bring it up, she may get an opportunity to process a little bit, and that could ease her pain. So we all need to get braver and show up. And, and try to have those productive conversations that deal with the real emotions.
2: You know, I tell you, that's that's a tough one, though, Paula, because, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess uh, we all experience this and we handle grief and we handle loss and, uh, in different ways. And um, it's just, just like you said, being able to get the courage uh, to bring it up and talk to others. Uh, sometimes people might want you to do that. And they, are, they know that you are on eggshells around them, you know. But, uh, you know, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back. I want to really get off into uh, your five stages of grief uh, after the break. It's your life. I'm James Cooley.
0: There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley.
5: Available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold.
0: Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and odyssey.com. FM 96.1 North County and AM 1170 San Diego. The Answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your
2: Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and we're talking uh, to Paula Shaw. We're talking about overcoming grief and loss. And, but I, I want to introduce you to a new member of the team, uh, Chris, uh, who's going to be filling in for Noah a few times. And I just want to you know say, hey, let's give him a warm welcome uh, to uh, the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And uh, how you doing, Chris? I'm well, James. Thanks. Thank you. It's great to be here, man. I'm glad that uh, you're coming on the team, man. And i uh, looking forward to working with you, my friend.
0: I'll hold you to those words.
2: <laughs> you know, I listen to the audience. So if you want to join in on the conversation, that's one 344 1170 Again, that's one 344 1170 Hey, Paula, now uh, we talked uh, about the five stages of grief. Can you tell our listening audience what that is and Uh, What what are the five stages of grief?
4: Well, I am so glad you asked me that question, James, because this is one of my pet peeves in the world. It's a giant misunderstanding that, that began many years ago. And so now it's kind of in the common understanding that there are five stages of grief. That is not true. The the misunderstanding came from the work of the fabulous Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who wrote about the five stages of death and dying. And they were denial, anger, bargaining, um, depression, and acceptance. But when you are a griever, it's a very different experience. Think about it. If you find out you're going to die... Then denial, anger, bargaining, you know, uh, depression, acceptance make more sense. Now, do some people go into denial when someone they love or something they love has been lost? Absolutely. Shock is very common in the beginning, shock and denial. Do some people get angry? Yes. And do some people bargain with God? Of course. But not everybody. And the damage that's been done by everybody thinking there are five stages of grief is that some people think until they've gone through every stage, they can't heal. I can't tell you how many times someone has shown up in my office and said, I can't get angry. I'm just not angry. I'm so sad, but I'm not angry and I'll never heal. So people get caught in that. And the other thing that's so important for all of us to know about grief is there is no one-size-fits-all. Everybody grieves in their own unique way. And even that same person will grieve differently with different losses. So I I want so much to stress to people, don't think there's a recipe or there's a correct way or a healthy way to grieve. Everybody does what they need and can do to get through their pain. So are there five stages? There may be five stages of death and dying. But what I like to share with people is I believe there are dimensions of grief and there are many dimensions, you know, that like shock, denial, numbness, that often is a first dimension. But maybe the next dimension is confusion, overwhelm, or maybe the next dimension is anger. Maybe the next dimension they experience is, is uh, disconnection with reality. There are so many. It's so broad. So to just think that there are only five stages that we experience is really not only not true, it's very naive, and yet it's a very, very common belief that that's what exists out there.
2: That's a good point. I mean, that's a very good point. But hey, Paula, so what are some of the obstacles that comes up for people when they try to comfort friends or family that are hurting? Yeah, that's a
4: <laughs> This is one of the, the main reasons that I wrote my latest book, Saying the Right Thing When You Don't Know What to Say. Because what happens is, first of all, let's let's pretend you're going through a loss. And, and I want to comfort you, but I grew up in a very conservative sort of stiff upper lip kind of a family. And you grew up in a, in a family maybe where people would wail and cry and scream about their pain. If you're carrying on like that, it's, it's tough for me not to judge you or to feel comfortable with you. So, so often cultural norms, family norms, family values, they affect the way we grieve. They affect the way we process our emotional pain. So if you're processing one way and I am used to another, do you see how it could be really hard for me to support you without judging you? And if I'm judging you, guaranteed you're not going to feel comforted and supported. And one of the most important things when somebody is hurting is that they not feel judged. We don't want them to feel lectured or judged. We want them to feel comforted and supported. So people from different cultures have different ways of expressing grief. People from different areas of the country have different ways of expressing their grief and their pain. And so it can be very difficult for one person to support somebody who processes their pain in a very different way. Does that make sense?
2: That makes a whole lot of sense. Makes a whole lot of sense.
4: Yeah. Besides the fact that, as I mentioned to Michelle, most people are scared to death that they're going to make it worse if they bring it up or if they say the wrong thing. And so Now, if you add on to that, I I don't relate to how you're processing or how you're expressing your pain. And I'm worried I'm going to say the wrong thing. Most of the time, what happens is people don't show up. They don't go have the conversations. And the reason I wrote this book, truly, the reason is I got tired of people sitting in my office and crying and saying, nobody called. Nobody showed up. Nobody brought it up when I went back to the office. And I know why they didn't. It's not because they're insensitive. It's not because they don't care. It's because they had no idea what to do or what to say that could actually help. You
3: know, that that definitely makes sense, Paula. Um you know, when a loss is some kind of injustice, you know, let's say um, we had a, someone um, hit and run, uh, hit and run, or uh, killed by a drunk driver, or like we've seen in uh, recent police shootings, is it harder for the family and loved ones left behind dealing with the grief and loss in those situations?
4: Oh, that's such a good question, Michelle. I I really do believe that it is because. A, unexpected loss, shocking out of the blue loss, is always more difficult because you didn't see it coming. You don't have a container for it. You know, it's kind of like if you know somebody has an illness and it could be terminal, there's not that it hurts any less in the moment the person is gone, but you have a little bit of prep time. You have a little bit of time to grow used to the idea of being without them. But when your kid goes to the store and you expect them to be home in an hour and instead you get the news that they're dead, that turns your world upside down. And that is not an easy thing to heal from. And so now just, you know, earlier we talked about change, the discomfort with change. Well, imagine that you, com- that you compound that with anger, with disbelief. With, with, you know, not even being able to accept the reality that this child of yours or this person you love is gone through a total injustice. It's, it's like really hard to comprehend how you go on without absolutely writhing in anger and not being able to focus on anything.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with that because you're so angry, like you don't even have time to grieve because you know yeah. you're just so mad. And mm-hmm. you know, that that that's I can see how that can be very, very difficult. So Paula, you talk about the you know fact five- Michelle, can
4: I can I add something to what you just said because it's such a great point. Many years ago, before I was a grief therapist, I was a location manager in the movie business. And it happened that I was sent up to Northern California to work with Candy Leitner, who is the woman who started Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And Candy's daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And she was so in such agony, but her way of grieving was to go into action. And so she created this group that has helped save the lives of many, many people. But guess what? Two years later, I saw her at a grief recovery workshop. She finally said, I've got to do my work. I've got to heal because all this action hasn't healed me. I haven't taken the time for myself. And that's what's critical.
3: That That's absolutely true. Like if someone's going to, let's say, a trial of somebody who um, has harmed their loved one, You know, they're so Mm -hmm. focused on getting, you know, justice for the loved one that that has been lost. They don't have time to grieve. And when it's all over Mm -hmm. and done, it's like they crash and burn. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, now I don't have anything to pent my anger towards. Uh, Now I have to deal with this grief. Mm -hmm. So I I can really
4: just disappear. Grief, you know, if you get busy, and a lot of people do. I guarantee you, the grief will be waiting for you when you slow down and get still again.
3: So, Paula, you talk about the five steps of a successful supportive conversation. What mm-hmm. are they?
2: Well, well, we're gonna have to hold on that, uh, hold off on that one till after the break because uh, that's uh, one that I want to go into the, the last segment with. You know, so uh, we got to take a station break. Mm-hmm. But um, we're going to come back and Michelle is going to ask you that question again. If you want to call in, that's 1-888-344-1170. We got Paula Shaw. It's your life. I'm James Cooley.
0: There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley.
5: available on amazon and everywhere books are sold
0: streaming now at the answer san Diego.com and odyssey.com it's time to dream big think big and be big it's time for more it's your life here's
2: your host james cooley welcome back to it's your life i'm james cooley and just like i was saying we got the uh, fantastic paula shaw who's uh you know giving us uh you know some uh Answers and a lesson and how to handle grief and loss and I mean she is so fantastic uh with this uh, total expert and Michelle was asking her a question prior to us leaving but if you want to be part of the conversation that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy again that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy Michelle you was asking Paula a question prior to the break. Okay. We can't hear Michelle, but the question that Michelle was Hello. asking was, uh, the five steps are successful, uh, support conversations. Uh, so, uh, what are they, Paula? Uh,
4: righty. So I do go with the five steps on this one. <laughs> um, and the first step is intention. Set intention. The right intentions. You don't want to walk into any kind of difficult conversation without the intention of how you want it to go. And you, and you actually state that you declare it. You can declare it within yourself, but I like to say it out loud so my brain also hears it and not just thinks it. But it's a way of putting the energy out to the universe to create the reality that you desire not just whatever comes along. So setting an intention is the important first step. The second step that's so critical is being present. Your butt and your brain have got to be in the same place. And too often, we get into conversations with people, and our mind is off somewhere else, or we're doing something else, we're multitasking, and when we are doing that, we are not fully present. And guess what? When you're not fully present, the other person reads that in you. They feel it energetically, and then they don't feel safe. And they are not as inclined to open up and actually communicate anything of importance. So you've got to be present. The third thing you really want is to come from the mindset of being comforting and supportive, not teaching, not lecturing, not changing this person. Let them talk. You want to get them talking because when they talk, they're processing. And if they're processing, they're on the road to healing. So be comforting and be supportive. Don't feel a need to change them. Don't feel a need to get them to see it your way. Just listen. And that brings me to the fourth step. Listen. And it's funny to talk about in a conversation the most important thing is not what you say. It's that you listen And listen with the intent of hearing and understanding. Don't listen with the intent of figuring out what you're going to say next. Again, when you're doing that, you're not present, and you will set up a situation where the person will not be as open because they won't feel safe. And finally, the fifth step is when it's appropriate, and may i say the less you say the better but when it's appropriate to respond then respond from your heart not your head you don't need to give many facts you don't need to remind them that other people have lived through this you don't need to you know uh, quote and statistics because their reality is their reality and when somebody is hurting they need your humanity not your database. So come from your heart, not your head. So those five steps, again, set the right intentions, be present, have a mindset of being comforting and supportive, listen with a capital L, and respond from the heart. And I'll add to that, keep it brief. Remember, the most important thing is that we keep the sad person or the hurting person talking.
3: Paula, you have written a book called Grief. When Will This Pain Ever End? What is unique Mm -hmm. about this book?
4: You know what I love about this book, Michelle, is that I realized after many years of working with grieving people that giving a person a grief book with 180 pages of dialogue is usually a waste of time because they, their mind is a fog. Their head is in a million different places. They're sad. They're hurting. And so what I did in this book was I kept the chapters very short and then they're followed by processes. And articles, brief articles with helpful information and processes that you can actually use to feel better. And so that's, that's what I love about grief. When will this pain ever end? Because it speaks to the fact that people who are in pain feel like it's always going to be that way. Their life will never be the same again. And, um, and what they need is they need to do processing work. You can't just hold on tight and think that tomorrow you're going to feel better. You may not be as intensely emotional tomorrow, but if you truly want to heal, you've got to process through. You've got to feel your feelings. You've got to express those feelings. You've got to work with those feelings. And that's what this book guides people to do. And it's not a book you have to read from cover to cover. You can almost open it. Just see what page, you know, guidance takes you to, and see what it offers you to do. But lots of processes, and lots of short articles, and short chapters.
2: Wow, you know, you are, you know, wrote uh, several books, and uh, you also wrote an ebook, things to say mm-hmm. or not to say to people in emotional pain. How? I mean, first of all, tell us a little about about that, and tell us how can our order to get, get all of your books.
4: Absolutely. Well, all of them are available on Amazon. But that little ebook, 20 Things to Say and Not to Say to People in Pain, it's kind of a cheat sheet, like Cliff Notes from this book, saying the right thing when you don't know what to say. And literally 20 sentences of things to say that can be really helpful, 20 sentences of things not to say because they won't be helpful, and guidance, even guidance if you're the person who's hurting and people are saying things to you like, you can't believe the stories I've heard over the years, JC. I mean, like, sometimes somebody's dealing with child loss, and people will say things like, well, at least you have other children. And they mean, well, you know, they're trying to help but they aren't saying anything that's actually helpful. And sometimes that person needs guidance as to how to respond in ways that, you know, you acknowledge that they're trying to help, but you still take care of yourself because that can really incite anger and, and upset and even more sadness. Sometimes when people respond to you from intellect and say something that's kind of insensitive. So this book, everybody should have in their glove box, in their purse, in their briefcase, and and you can get it free by just going to com. that's com, and you'll see it right there on the opening page, uh, 20 things to say and not to say to people in pain.
2: Wow. You know, so uh, you had mentioned a little bit ago, uh, but when people are hurting, it's good to uh, share One of your stories. I'm talking about about them to uh, try to uh, help bring them up, or is it? (laughs) Should you say anything?
4: (laughs) Sometimes, you know, JC, because one of the biggest things that happens to people when they're grieving, they feel very alone, and they feel like they're the only one in the world that can't get better, or they can't. They feel defective because they're because they can't stop grieving. And so sometimes a brief story can be very helpful because it helps them not feel so alone. It makes them feel like, oh, you really do get it. You went through something kind of similar. And so that can be very helpful. I'm sure you've experienced, James, talking to other men who grew up in tough circumstances like you. And when you share your story, that helps them feel like it's okay to tell their story. And, and it makes them feel not so alone. And we humans, we don't heal well alone. We need that connection with other humans. So, yes, it's okay to tell a brief story. But remember, the most important thing is to keep the person who's in pain doing the majority of the talking.
2: Wow. You know, we're coming on toward the end of the show. Can you tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you uh, you already told them about your books, but if they want to reach out to you for your services or just just to talk to you, how can they do that?
4: They can go to Paulishaw.com and they can book a complimentary 20-minute consultation with me if they'd like to talk about their situation or just see if maybe I would be a good fit for them to help them with whatever distress they're going through. I work with lots of people who are just having a difficult time with change. No matter what the source of it, you know, change is tricky, as we were saying. So, paulashaw.com is the best way to reach out to me. Uh, or you can email me at pshawlight, L I D H T, at com.
2: Well, Paula, I want to thank you, you know, for taking the time to come on uh, the James Coolish Your Life Show. I, I want to get you on here on a regular basis because I believe that this is so helpful. Uh, to our mm. listening audience to thank understand. I'd like to thank uh, my co-hosts uh, for uh, always being there. i like to thank my great producer, Noel, and i like to thank our newcomer, Chris, you know, for being here today. Most importantly, i like to thank our listening audience for taking the time to listen in on the show. Remember, we are always looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you Monday through Friday, same time, same place. And so, uh, I want everybody to enjoy their weekend enjoy it because we will be back Monday uh, with some more more great guests it's your life I'm James Cooley